0: Hi guys, welcome to the Fife Property Show. This is a, it's a fantastic daily day outside. It's absolutely beautiful. The sun is shining. What on earth are you doing watching this show? <laughs> anyway, let's kick off. I've long argued about managing agents and they're really worth their money. So we're going to thrash it out today. So on, on board with us today, we've got Richard Cook, our Lettons Director. Morning, Jim. Hi, Richard. And we've got Karen. Good morning. Hi, Karen. How are you? Good morning, I'm How's
1: good. You? I'm looking at the lovely view outside. And I've had a beautiful day.
0: Yeah. Good morning, Dougie. Thanks for watching the show. And if anybody else is there, please take time to ask any questions. We're open to questions, and we're open to answering them as well, live as we talk through this. So I've long argued all this time for the argument about really letting agents really that important. You can do it all yourself. Um, But is that really the case? So we've decided to put together an article, The Pros and Cons, is a managing agent actually really worth your money? So I'll be honest and say, it does take a certain character to be a managing agent. The job has a reputation as a thankless task uh, with days of complaints, emergencies, breakdowns, hassles. And if we're honest, rarely does anyone call the news and say, everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Richard's laughing, and and Karen, you're, you're obviously I try to hold this back. I mean, why? You know why? Why Richard? You know why are you holding this back? What are you laughing well, about?
2: It's uh, because obviously a big part of uh, obviously managing a property is dealing with the day to day run ins of, uh, of obviously maintenance, and I mean every day you, there could be lots of unexpected repairs, and unfortunately our job is to relay that back to the owners. So it does feel like we're constantly on the phone with bad news, but. I think the reality is because we're constantly doing it every day, it's it's resolving these issues before they become worse and because of a bigger problem which could be more costly um, and take a lot more uh, time to resolve in the long run if they're left. Um, but uh, it does feel like a wee bit on
1: Yeah, pretty much the same. Just Richard's kind of hit the nail on the head there. It it's just people phone up with, like, unfortunately, it's It's just issues that they phone up with. Um, it's amazing when somebody phones up and says, Thank you for getting this fixed for me. We really appreciate that call because like you say, it is just usually maintenance issues that come up. But at the same time, we're so used to dealing with it that what we're doing and we know the best way to handle it. So it's with as opposed to a landlord that's getting a report that they've no idea how to get
0: yeah from my point of view it's a case that you know um from a landlord's point of view, it's a case that God no another call at three o'clock in the morning you know it's uh, it's relentless, so from a degree for that you know it's I always felt like a social worker you know most of the time because I felt that everybody had to phone me about every single problem I had um and it became overwhelming over a period of time but we'll we'll talk about that as we go on um, and yeah. so but to be a managing agent it also you also have to be a person who makes it, who, who makes everything right. A property that never needs maintained or where nothing ever goes wrong uh, it simply doesn't exist and emergencies really do happen and an emergencies really happen at a convenient time, really, do they? Uh, I mean, I got a phone call last night at nine o'clock at night and somebody asked me, I'm just looking for advice because my, my toilet's no flushing and my first response was, is that an emergency? And they went, well, no really. I says, well, could you could you wait till tomorrow? <laughs> we'll call you back and I sent it on you know to property management but it's like really you're phoning me at nine o'clock at night to ask about your toilet it, it wasn't it wasn't it flushing they just they just had a general question about if it was right or if it worked right or anything like that and and I and thought that's no really an emergency when you think about it so they just phoned for a general chat so I've referred it on and, and it'll get picked up today so I mean it's it rarely it happens at the most convenient time uh, not for homeowners not for tenants and certainly not for landlords uh, for a managing agent, they're expected, uh, it's an expected part of the day, really. You know, that's what it comes down to. But you an existing or budding landlord, this is the key here, you're right to keep an eye out for things ongoing, but you, you might have even questioned whether a managing agent is really worth the expense. I mean, often, a classic example is everything goes right, and immediately the landlord goes, I tell you what, I'll just take that property back, because everything's going right. it's like, the reason it's going right is? Why is the reason it's going right, Richard? Because we're monitoring that and making sure
2: it's obviously streamlining the process to make sure things are not going wrong. That's what I mean, identifying something before it gets to that stage where it's then a bigger problem. Uh, And unfortunately, like you say, uh, emergencies tend to crop up at the worst times, Uh, whether that be through like the Christmas holidays and things. um, That's when we tend to have a lot of the the, uh, emergency repairs. Ken?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. It seems to be winter is notorious for boilers breaking down and contractors are so overrun with it. So it helps having the workers on the to be able to get the job done as possible so your tenants aren't without heating or hot water. You're not having to deal with a boiler repair on Christmas Day. <laughs>
0: It's a classic example, though. I mean, winter obviously tests every single heating system because that's the time that they get used. we you know, I always used to remember. I mean, I've obviously been in here over in the industry over 27 years as a landlord, as an investor as well. Um, but I've often, the often all the engineers used to say to me, winter is the test because everybody switches their heating off in the summer and immediately all these solenoids and valves and everything like that. It's all they're all they're all sitting idle, so they sometimes get stuck. So, the classic example is when you switch the heating back on doesn't it work? And then yeah. that, everybody starts to get called out. So it's, it's almost like a rush at the same time. Exactly what happened with the housing market, but the doors opened and we're all out to buy houses now, and everybody rushes in at the same time and starts buying, and it causes a boom.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we anticipate and prepare for it every every year, because as soon as the temperature drops, then it gets cold outside, everybody's firing up their boilers. And like you say, they've been sitting idle for the majority of the, the summer and springtime, and that's when, obviously, uh, the issues arise with boilers. And then, obviously, if people's boilers don't work, they've not got heating, they've not got water. If people have got children and, and things as well, it's, it's a necessity that obviously everybody needs. Uh, so we anticipate it.
0: But do you include personal costs as well? How much do you value your time
2: as yeah, an what?
0: investor? And how do you spend it? That's really what it comes down to I mean, I get a bit geeky and a bit clinical about the whole thing, and I'm quite prepared to work for 24 hours a day. But you don't get people like me all the time, really. I suppose, and and you actually need some sort of quality of life. Everybody says, have <laughs> yet to find it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think personal time uh, for
2: landlords' perspective, uh, especially. I mean, even if they've just got a couple of properties, or even they've got a bigger portfolio, uh, unless they are obviously committed, and that's what they want to do, but. If they want to see an income coming through, but also value their own time uh, on a personal level, I think it's good to have somebody and like obviously a managed agent in place to then take the stresses. And and, and like you say, well, those middle of the night phone calls or these phone calls through the holidays and things, that's what our job is to do um, and to take that stress away and, and deal with just uh, minor things that would bother a landlord and take up their time without them even having the knowledge of it happening until it's done and resolved and says, this is what we've done. Oh, great. You've done that. That's fine. Whereas it would have took maybe a couple of days at their time to try and go through the process, resolve it, and have it repaired. Where but we it, just do it on but
0: behalf. But then as a but then as a landlord maybe just one or two properties, then does that really matter? Is that going to be really an encumbrance on me? You know, is that well, going depends, to be a problem?
2: Well, it just depends on each individual landlord and how much they value their time. I mean, some people want to have um, a small portfolio and and want it to fill up their time because maybe they're retired and this is what they, they want something to get their teeth into, uh, which is fine. Uh, other landlords who are maybe doing it um, alongside who are still obviously employed and working and want to do it alongside their employment to maybe build up their pension fund and things. That's where obviously it's going to start encroaching into your
0: personal time. I could I could relate to that completely because obviously yeah. you know you'll know my background working as an accountant in industry. Uh, Constantly, So I was working 128 hours a week um, in 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 industry. I literally had no sleep. So I used to just get my my boiler suit on and go straight out the door with all my stuff in my car and go and work on my properties after hours. Um, And there was nights that I actually was in a daze because I hadn't had any sleep at all in order to get the result for the next day for a tenant to move in. Um, And and was it healthy? Possibly not. Could I have done something different? (laughs) Possibly could have. <laughs> Possibly could have. But then it's coming down to the fact that, you know, do you really trust the agent that you're actually dealing with? I mean, Charlotte's asked a really good question here and she said, you know, good morning, Charlotte. How much does it cost a day to have a managing agent take care of your property?
2: There's a good saying, and obviously we we, we demonstrate that to, to landlords quite a lot. And that, I mean, the daily charge for a managing agent is about the price of a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about that, most people go out every day, buy a cup of coffee. You think for the price of that, you could take the stress away and get your own personal time back for somebody else to deal with it. Uh, and yeah. that's a good—that's a good way. A good way, to obviously, kind of demonstrated to to landlords and people that that's the that's the overall cost really on a daily basis. If you think about so it,
0: literally two pound fifty a day. I'm getting my calculator out. <laughs> that, you're right. That's about it. Two two pound fifty a day to get somebody else to take all that hassle yeah. off you. Yeah. It's a bit a no-brainer when you think about it, eh?
2: uh, It's a good way to demonstrate it to people. Um,
0: morning, me. Morning, me. Okay, so, I mean, this is how we've done this. Uh, so this week's blog uh, we've talked about. Now, the full article, the article is, in the, is in the post itself. So this week's blog is not to convince you to use a margin agent, but to show you how life can be if you did, from inspections to maintenance and easier accounting. To keep it on the right side of the law, jeez, oh, the law. The law gets worse and worse or more challenging every time. It's like there's over 50 pieces of legislation governing our industry. And that's only when the tenant moves in. There's legislation governing everything before the tenant actually gets in. You know, So that's all the different things. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So from the right side of the law, protecting uh, you in the event of disputes, that's the key here. I often say to a lot of landlords, it's like, you're not paying us to manage the property to a degree, you're paying us if anything goes wrong, we're able to react to it quick enough in order to get the resolved solution. Whereas you don't know what to do and where to go to get that. And now that's only from a personal point of view and I'm quite fortunate I've studied all that, you know, just so everybody understands, I was the chairman of the National Landlord Association in Scotland, which is the UK's biggest landlord association. So I was their chairman in Scotland for 10 years. I was also on their helpline for Scotland, actually advising and telling tenants and and landlords as well what they need to do in order to resolve certain situations. So it was key for me to understand all the legal processes. So I often think everybody knows this and I often take it for granted. But when I went through the Child Property Action Group, which is almost like Three 400 pages on the housing benefit legislation. Just the housing benefit legislation. That was it. It was 400 pages you had to go through in order to just know what you were talking about when it came to the housing benefit legislation. And that was only recovery overpayment, where landlords were actually faced with the fact that your tenant got paid this money, they've now done something wrong, so we're going to recover it back from you as a landlord. Wow. yeah, That happens. That happens quite a lot in the past. So Dougie's got a good question. Uh, Are private landlords more focused on letting the property? More voids if using an agent? What's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, using an agent is uh, the best way to try and avoid having too many or or, um, extensive void periods between tenancies. I've done a few vlogs on that in, in the past, and I think a big part of that is finding the right tenant, in the first instance. If you find the right tenant, if they're managed properly, if they're happy uh, in the property, and the property is kept obviously compliant and up to date, then they're more likely to stay for a longer period of time. Um, and if, in the event that they do uh, decide to leave, if the property is kept up to uh, up to standard, it's in a good condition, it will let a lot easier, therefore a shorter void period. Um, and I think that's a big that's a key factor and. In, in, uh, void periods and and a and, and managing agent is there to obviously kind of uh, implement the, the measures to make sure that happens
0: what's your thoughts on that kim
1: i I'd agree and even just it means that if you've got an agent in place there we're kind of in the mindset of we you know what we're looking for with we've got a vetting process in place that we can kind of i mean at the end of the day you're there's always going to be a change in circumstances that could pop up at any time you never know so you always have to prepared for what could happen but at the end of the day we do our research on the person and make sure that they're going to be suitable for the property and it also means as well if you're going to an agent they've got the facilities to be able to market to the best of its ability basically so you're going to get a lot more interest in it, basically get your pick of it.
0: yeah i think i think the key here for for me is i i would i would i would do this site to a certain degree you know as a as a, as a landlord and, and as an owner you're completely focused on your own property. You're not really focused on anybody else's property at all, so your intention is to do that. However, the flip side of that is, where do you get your tenants from? Do you yeah. go to tree and take a risk? Because a lot of tenants just go to Gumtree. Here's a classic example why they go to Gumtree. It's because they don't want to go through the referencing process that an agent has, because they know they'll fail it. I think
2: it's all about due diligence in the, the first instance and making sure. And I think not even just the, the, the reference side in terms of obviously validating their employment and their references and who they are. It's also meeting the people face to face and obviously getting a feel for the person and who they are and whether they will be right for the property and what kind of tenant the landlord wishes to have in the property as well. Um, that's a big part. Yeah, I yeah. totally
1: agree with that as well. Just because you, you can have somebody face to face and you can have somebody but you have to put the two together to kind of get a better idea of it. Somebody yeah. could feel on paper, but you meet them face to face, and they're not.
0: This is a good one for uh, KPIs and voids. Absolutely, Dougie. We do our void is ninety six percent. Yeah, our occupancy rate is ninety six percent. So four percent of that is the void. So that is probably one of the highest of any letting agent going. It is key. I've, in, I've implemented everything that I've thought as a landlord into our system so we can keep an eye on these things all the time. So that's our void, that's our void. Uh, that's our occupancy rate is 96%. And our, yeah. our, our, our rental level as well, we keep KPIs on that as well, about the average rent is coming in, and we keep an eye on all the rental values in the area in order to keep it highest as possible. If you can get an extra five quid every single month, right, that's £60 a year. If you've got 10 properties, that's £600 a year extra. Straight on your bottom line, in your pocket, as a landlord your boiler goes after three years you've got 1800 pounds towards your boiler that you never had before only because your letting agent kept an eye on your on your uh, on your rental level that's how important that becomes so you no longer put your hand in your pocket your rental agent pays for themselves that's the key here so if you can get more as a result that's why we keep an eye on it so it's completely focused on that on that issue yeah key performance
2: indicators are are a a big part of, obviously, the whole management process that we have. uh, And Jim and I have implemented a lot of them over the years to to keep, obviously, track of what's going on and make sure, obviously, things like void periods and and that are obviously monitored. And that's obviously, like you say, our occupancy rate is extremely high, and it has been for for a long time.
0: So let's talk about one of the most important subjects, keeping things legal. Well, an eye-watering number of self-managed landlords lose disputes at the end of the tenancies... Which highlights a gap in their knowledge, and let me elaborate on that. If one of the if one of your hobbies is scrolling through the government's website for changes in legislation regarding rental property, you're unlike anyone we ever know. <laughs> 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 Always break them on mobile Jam. Admit true. <laughs> It's a time-consuming task and a rolling responsibility that many landlords fall foul of. You need not only to look for the eye-watering number of landlords who lose disputes, if you get anything wrong in the legal process, the law will unlikely find in favour of your. The law will likely find in favour of your tenant. We saw that classic example before in the past, where you know Jim Bald used to represent the social land, the, the social tenants. He used to represent them from uh, from Glasgow. He's a Jim Bald's a brilliant uh, solicitor uh, and and a legal guy. He's, his mind is absolutely unbelievable. Um, blows me out of, the, out of this world in terms of what the knowledge is. So Jim used to represent tenants. He used to tell us of all the different things that he was able to keep the tenant in the property, regardless that the landlord had actually said the notice correctly um, and all these wee pitfalls. And why did he tell us? Because he changed to the other side and he may actually have represented landlords. So Jim actually represents landlord now um, in a legal capacity. So he's actually told us all the different things that you can actually keep a tenant in a property so we know what to do in order to avoid a tenant so that make sure the process actually goes through properly. So that's one of the key things about understanding the process. Uh, but while the landlord and lettings legislation can certainly be a minefield, it's not one that you need to what you need to walk to walk through. Managing agents are charged with to know. All he needs to know and take the appropriate action where it is available. It's not something on top of our job. It's our job. I often say that. We get into we get into dispute sometimes, not with this, not with anything else. But I often say to Richard, but regard- the reality of Richard, it's their job. They're there to do that full time. They're paid for that full time. We yeah. have to put that in our normal day-to-day work in order to argue that principle with them. Um, and the classic example is when I go to Kevin Stewart and send him emails. The Housing Minister and Jenny Gilruth, and I send her emails. It, that's their full-time job, but it's not my full-time job. I'm an estate agent. You know that I have to uh, and run, run several businesses. So they've got all the time in the world. And they've got all the resources at their fingertips to to prove you wrong or argue their case. Whereas you've only got you know half an hour a day of that uh, to do that. So that's probably why you need a specialist involved. I'll go to arguing for a letting agent
2: now. I think obviously um yeah I mean in terms of legislation and the legalities of things, I mean there's been so much changes. Um and, and there's ever there's ever um, there's always changes obviously happening. But I mean in the past few years there's been quite a lot. I mean if you think back think for maybe about 2015, 2016, a lot of new legislation come in. think round about maybe when you joined us Kern um, so you'll be aware, obviously, things like EICRs, which is electrical safety, and and all these kind of legislation, um, were put in place. So we've had to obviously change how we operate, um, and and things like obviously joining Letwell to get ourselves obviously up to speed with a lot of, of the the new changes it was quite helpful for us. And obviously landlords didn't have the time, or maybe even the resource or money to do those kind of things. I mean, that training that we done was was brilliant, and we were part of the the first group in Scotland to complete it. Um, yeah. And uh, and obviously that made us let well certified, but it also gave us oh, a thirsty knowledge um, for the legislation, um, and we just build on that um, year on year, um, depending on what obviously. And there's continually new legislation being implemented by the government, and it's our job to us to keep
0: up to to date with that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, as soon as a new piece of legislation becomes law, uh, we and you're basically ensuring that the property that you manage throughout uh, line and the landlords. Uh, Need to know, they'll need to know. But you actually keep an eye on that, and but the landlords rarely need to know that because you're actually looking after that. Yeah, I'm arguing for the letting agent again. Wait a minute, I shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> but as a as a landlord, I actually like that. You know, as a landlord, I like getting involved in that. I like knowing about all the legislation. I like learning about all the legislation. I like I like fighting that case. I mean, I often pick up landlords. Uh, I often pick up landlords' uh, uh, cases just for just for sport. You know, and, and say, right, I'll take it. I'll take it on, and 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 basically, we're up for a fight.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a shame sometimes. I mean, I do come across landlords who, obviously, we don't manage and things, and they're up against, um, obviously, a dispute, and they're 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 at their depth because they don't know what, obviously, the actual what their obligations are, what their rights are, whether they're in the right or whether they're in the wrong. Um, and you try what you see. It's it's good to know the legislation and know that you're operating things correctly. And
0: you're doing it correctly, and that you know you know your stuff basically. Um, it's Kevin, the first tier tribunal as well. The first tier yeah. tribunal processes and that. See when you get all that paperwork through the post, uh, it's a minefield, and it's very like, Very yeah. Uh, now that's from a landlord's point of view because I've I've just gone through that and they have actually just, uh, this is one of my properties where a tenant made a complaint, a simple complaint it was nothing to do, uh, there was everything right they had done everything wrong they had damaged the property continually all the time all the way throughout the process of the let they wouldn't let the letting agent in fix the property, which is you guys and yeah. then therefore they turned out the housing uh, tier panel and said, uh, by the way, uh, the landlord's no fixing anything but you're no letting us in to fix it um, you're refusing to let us into fact. That. So it's only yesterday I got the letter through finally after a year and a half to say that, yeah, there's nothing to answer to. It's a very long process. It's a year and a half of effectively, if you guys hadn't taken this on board, a year and a half of my time completely consumed with something which was a complaint from a tenant who had no justified reason to complain in the first place. For nothing, it was wrong with the property. And yet, because it was the first tree tribunal, funeral, they had to go through the legal process. i come back to saying again, that's their job. That's the one we're saying. Their yeah. job is they're paid to do that job. So their job is completely to be consumed, to to see yeah. you as that person, really. Yeah,
2: their sole focus is to obviously concentrate on the, these kinds of cases. Uh, but when it lands on your desk you've got a million other things to do, but you're going to have to then turn your attention to this at, to at least a portion of the time to try and obviously correspond to them. And um, there's a, they need a lot of feedback and, and you need to compile evidence and, and obviously correspondence. Um, and it's quite time consuming. And like you say, obviously, it's, it's took us a year and a half, but I'm really happy with that outcome. And at the time... I was quite, obviously, Jim, I, don't, I represented you a lot in, in that case, which was good because it gave me an opportunity to see how the system works because obviously we'd never been through that
0: before. Um, so it was a bit of a learning curve. Yeah, yeah. I'm just about to say that. We've never been through that before. No, how long have we have been in Lenten's?
1: Well, that's the thing. It's yeah. a learning curve. Yeah. We're always learning as we go on. Like These new situations will crop up that we do learn from and it means that we've got that knowledge going forward. And talking about that in specific... It made things easier because, you know, we've done inspections at the property, we knew what, what the, ten- the tenant had damaged and what was general wear and tear. We fully knew the situation of that property, which meant we had the evidence to cut our side of it. So if you've got an agent in place, they have the information, but we should have the information there to support your case if you ever find yourself in this situation.
2: Yeah,
1: Kevin,
0: you've done a lot of the correspondence for that as well, um, which was, like I say, a good learning curve for you as well. Yeah. Uh, here's a classic, um, for what Dougie says, right, okay, now I'll just say something after this. Are landlords liable for costs for any legal disputes, or is that encompassed in the management fee? Well, the, uh, the answer to that is prevention is better than cure, really. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to answer that question, Richard. So are landlords liable for the legal costs, or is it encompassed in the management fee? Well, the landlords will be obviously, if there's any legal cost, it will be obviously the responsibility of the landlord.
2: The The good thing, obviously, there's, there's a, it's a double-edged sword here with the, the first-year tribunal because um, it opens up an avenue where complaints can obviously be kind of escalated very, very quickly. But obviously, it allows the landlord to put through applications where it used to be I mean, if things were like small claims and things, used to be a costly, a costly way to go down uh, route to go down. But the first year tribunal, you could put applications in that through the first year tribunal, and they don't cost uh, to initially do that. Uh, Kim, you've got you be able to fill us in on the first year tribunal application process because you've done it um, for this case what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, there was no cost incurred to either the landlord or the. It's obviously it's it's such a small kind of claims process that there are. not at this point obviously if it ended up escalating even further there might be ones incurred further down the line for example but through the process that we've been through there hasn't been any and even um this was a while ago now but we had a landlord who the tenant did not want to move out (laughs) so um, we had to look into the situation of going to the tribunal for an order of possession and thankfully it didn't come to that but we know the forms that we need to use now we know there isn't cost incurred to the landlord for it you can actually put in a claim to get recover the costs that they've lost from the tenants refusing to move out, basically. yeah. But, but prevention, prevention, is ultimately
0: ultimately, <laughs> prevention is ultimately better than cure. And I'm jumping onto this one. This is further than what and what we're going to do. This takes us to confrontations then. So the prevention is better than cure and it's actually resolving the situation. So having a third party and one of authority to step in can alleviate situations fast without them getting personal overheated. Often I've heard a landlord say... Um, Like, I'm just wanting them out because I can't stand them. They argued with me or they just said this and they just said that. And I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. What is the commercial reality out of this? You put a tenant out, it's going to cost you thousands to get them put out. You know, you're going to have to have all the ground to do that. So you're going to have to spend all that money to do it. Then they've got the cost of refund because of the move out, and the, 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 it's no exactly how you should have it. You're going to have the cost of the refund. You're going to have the cost of the void. You're going to have everything else on top of that. Then you're going to have the cost of relaying, and then finding a tenant and putting the right tenant and then taking the risk that you didn't have the right tenant in the first place, all because that much, you fell out with the tenant and you didn't like them. Really? Commercial reality goes right out the window when it gets so personal, and that's sometimes when it's important to use a manager.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you say, the third party, which is us, obviously to step in and be that buffer and mediate uh, in a situation like that is is really important because, like you say, when it gets to a personal level and if if landlords are having the direct contact with the tenants, then it it could get messy, and I think it's good for us to to come in, like I say, uh, impartial to either, obviously, like, represent each party in the middle and mediating uh, a situation yeah. like that. Here's
0: how I, I see it. Me. Here's Sorry? how I was to was to see it. it. Okay. Opposites attract. Yeah. It's not necessarily the landlord, it'll be the issue. It's sometimes often their partner, who doesn't understand the situation, but really gets annoyed about how much pressure it's putting on their partner, because yeah. opposites attract. That's what it is. So, while while you as a landlord are are are, are um, easy going, um, sometimes the person you're with isn't that easy going, and they're quite fiery and fired up. So as a result, they put pressure on the landlord, and everybody gets grief as a result of it within that unit. And therefore, they take the decision: look, we're just going to get rid of the tenant. And it's like, well, what well, you're getting rid of the tenant just for that? That's that's crazy. That's, that's thousands of money um, and so often I've had landlords come to us not anything to do with our agency they've come to us with a, with a dilemma and I've actually said to them and advised them like I've told them the situation and they've realized it's, it's well you're absolutely right and, and, and they've gone away calm about it but I've actually stepped in and I've spoken to the tenant and resolved the situation but again they're nothing to do with our letting agency it's just that I've, I've done that for them in order to to sort of that because I really want the tenant to stay where they are because it's not the tenant's fault. You know, it's, it's just the fact that the, 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 the aggravation that happens in between two parties. I mean, the odd malfunction or minor repair is one thing, but when problems come one after another, or where your tenant experiences a change in circumstances or becomes a nuisance, the relationship and communication can become extremely strange. You've probably had the experience where it feels like things are going wrong at home, first the boiler then the washing machine, then the extractor fan, then the tap. And on the, the, and, and on their own, they're tiny issues, but often a matter of wear and tear. But the difference is that your extractor fan is not interrupting someone else's life. You might be a bit miffed when it stops working, but no one's going to get angry with you. Now, let's consider a tenant whose finances take a turn for the worst or someone who causes problems among your neighbors, whether deliberately or accidentally, again this comes back to saying the tenant's absolutely brilliant, but sometimes the entourage that comes with them is the problem. You' know, not that, and that's another issue for antisocial behaviour. So this is all this is all things that you screen out in the beginning to make sure you get the right tenant in the first place. So thankfully, these occasions are scarce, but there is rarely any warning, and they could have a major impact for you as a landlord, which might feel you, which might affect your ability to keep your cool. That's, that's often the case. A lot of people think, ah, it's no boiler I could easily. But it, it's it's a case of the, the, as a landlord, it's the straw that broke the camel's back, if anybody understands that. yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with the tenant, but it's everything else that happens on your life round about you. And then all of a sudden, the tenant phones up and says, my boiler's broken down. And then you go, whoa, you go straight into orbit. And it's like, you know, what do I do now? I'm all stressed and I have to organise this, I have to organise that. And often, that's maybe why you need someone else to come in and help you. That's how I feel as a landlord sometimes. Yeah. So I'm running three or four different businesses, which I do. And then I'm, I've got all my properties, which I do. which And then I've got a do job, which I do. Um, and then I've got a family I have to look after. And then I've got kids as well. And I've got cats as well. What <laughs> <Lots of> cats. <laughs> and then I've got a garden to keep. Oh, my goodness. And then I've got other things to do, you know, so there's all these different things and I've got people I want to help and I've got local causes I want to help and I want to be involved in everything else. Uh, It can become a little overwhelming. So having the third party and one authority to step in on your behalf can actually alleviate the situation fast without them getting personal or overheated. But I think the key here is though, prevention is better than cure, isn't it? Yeah,
2: definitely. Uh, And I think like going back to obviously the, the repairs thing, obviously, Boilers, wash machines, extractor fans—these are all the these are all the most common repairs. And Kevin, you'll know that obviously working in property management for uh, years. Um, and and it's all these wee minor things that obviously we pick up on, we resolve. And although they may seem minor, if, if they're left to get worse, or if they if they are are not obviously dealt with correctly, and then everything happens at once, it could it could uh, put a lot of pressure on the landlord, and um, take up a lot of their time. And like you say, take them away from what they, they want to really be spending their time doing. Yeah. Um, so prevent, preventing these issues or, or dealing with them quickly uh,
0: obviously kind of minimises that, that issue. Yeah, and, and that's where it also comes on to things like trusted contractors next. I mean, it's taken us, it is actually literally taking us years and plenty of tears to build a circle of tradespeople. There's really something we haven't dealt with before. I mean, I often, and, and I spoke to you about it yesterday, Dougie, Dougie's watching, um, about the fact that you know all all our all our all our contractors get tested out on my properties first. Unfortunately, I yeah. take the brunt. <laughs> I take the brunt of that. So if they're not that good, then my property takes the brunt, but I take the hit, and our personal landlords don't take the hit at all as a result of it. So that's often what happens. So trusted contractors and how that works. Have you ever been in a conversation about the difficulties in finding reliable companies to repair something at your home? Um, or where a contractor came in, charged the earth um, and made them and made matters worse as a result of it. Almost everyone has experienced some kind of version of that. And it's one thing to be waiting for a plumber at your own home. but when it comes to meeting them miles away in a three hour arrival window in the middle of winter, if it's not really it's not really the same. So you have to go out your way to read at the property to wait for, for example for Scottish power. It says, oh, it's an all-day appointment, and you've got to wait ages. And it's like, I could be better spending my time doing something else, and I could pay a letting agent £2.50, the price of a cup of coffee, to do that for me. Yeah. £2.50 to wait all day. Do, do you guys want a job? £2.50. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean,
1: people underestimate me the time you like you said, on the phone for companies, like utility companies. They've got... A- home care package, the amount of time that you spend on hold, even just trying to get through to them in the first place, that's potentially half an hour that you could be doing better with your time than getting on hold.
0: Yeah, it's all about trusting. I mean, James has said it there. I'm using the guy you recommended, uh, Jim, to do my refurb. A great guy, and he's doing a grand job. And that's really what it comes down to. It's all personal recommendation about I will never recommend, and I've always said it, People, now this is a key for contractors. Do not walk into my office. And, and think that you can put your, your your business card or your flyer on my desk without me using you first, because it is a personal endorsement from five properties of your brand. If one of my customers walks in and picks up your flyer, and I don't have a clue who you are, if you want to do business with us, then let us test you out first. And if you're really good at your job, we will put you on our trusted contractor list. And as a result, we will recommend you to everyone else as well. It is key and vital in our reputation. People we recommend we've used before in order to make sure that it doesn't come back to haunt us. The last thing I want to do is somebody come back and say, you recommended this person and 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 they never did a good job at all. And it's like, where did you get them from? Well, I've never used them. Why would you recommend somebody like that? But there are often people who do that, doesn't there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think contract. we've spent a, a lot of years building up uh, good relationships with trusted contractors. Um, but obviously, you need more than one. You have the contractor, especially when you manage quite a lot of properties. And obviously, contractors, um, we have a lot of obviously um, long-standing contractors that we have. Um, and we've got good relationships with them. But obviously, we're always looking to bring on new people expand obviously and we've got and obviously divvy up the uh, way works and things between them so and like you say Jim I think we we're doing it the other day with new contractors testing them on your properties just to make sure that basically trial running them because we're not going to recommend them to other landlords yeah. who's paying us to find trusted contractors and send people to do a job that's obviously going to be inferior or, or unsatisfactory
0: um, as, and, as, 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 as a person in industry before, as an accountant, I've realised how, how draconian uh, industry was towards uh, contractors. They always used to use their money and actually get credit terms off them and actually use their money to run their own businesses, if, if anybody understands that. And I really thought that was, I thought that was completely wrong. When a contractor does the job and they've finished the job and they've done it perfectly, they should be paid straight away when it's signed off. They shouldn't yeah. have to wait and they shouldn't need to give credit as a result. Because they're not in there to be a credit controller. That is not their business. They're there to run their business and do a good job and make money and not waste their time on trying to chase you for money that you should have paid in the first place. And I'm extremely draconian about that and said, you know, as soon as a job's finished and it's signed off in my part, for me as a landlord, I expect my contractor to be paid immediately, regardless. Regardless if I've got rent for a property, my landlord, my, my contractor should be paid. And for that reason, is why when I pick up the phone to a contractor, they will immediately jump and go and do the job for me straight away in order to get it resolved, which keeps my tenant happy. And as a result, keeps my occupancy rate high and also my occupation rate high for my properties as a result. So, always money coming in, everybody always happy. My longest tenant stayed with me for 20 years. And he's, he's paid money day in, day out, all the time. And even We're when he's done he's actually come to us and says, look, I'll, I'll sort it out later on. And he has. Yeah,
2: that's what we spoke about yesterday, Jim, obviously. And again, it goes back to, um, obviously, avoiding void periods and, and having longevity in your tenancies and a high occupancy rate is obviously keeping your tenant happy. Keeping the property in good condition and up
0: yeah. to, to scratch. This, this is yeah. a good comment from Phil. Uh, trust as well, access into the property when no one is there. That's key as well because we know all the contractors, we can trust them. They've yeah. been in my house. They've been in other house. They've been in my personal house. Some a lot of them. So I I use them for my own personal jobs, and I would happily trust them. to Come in my house and give them the keys and let them get on my job. So I, you know, for for tenants, that is a that is a real peace of mind to understand that that's that's that that's what we do. Um, you know, James actually James has actually made a comment as well. I've been paying mine for a, a quarter at a time throughout the refurb, which is brilliant. James, um, is is the right way to go. And, and he's absolutely right as well. It means they don't get a shock at the end of the costs escalate as a result um, as well. So for him, there's good planning for him as well um, because it keeps your cash flow right, so you don't think you've got an abundance of money. It's amazing when the VAT return comes in after I look at my bank account and go, oh, God. <laughs> I look at my bank account before the quarter end and think, wow, we've got a lot of cash and the VAT return comes in. It's like, oh, right, okay, I don't have a lot of cash. It's, it's all VAT to be paid to the government. Uh, Which brings us uh, neatly on to the next subject, which is, I'll just get it then out, which is tax relief. Ding, 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 tax relief. uh, I mean, imagine receiving a simple statement of all of your income and expenditure without a single piece of paper to lose. That is probably one of the benefits of using a managing agent, isn't it, Richard?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of landlords... Uh, the fact that obviously they get their statements with everything that they need on there that goes straight into their, their tax return um, is a big plus. I mean, if you're, obviously, if you're not using a managing agent and you didn't have that facility and you're obviously a landlord on your own, um, I think doing your tax return becomes a lot more difficult when you put it off and you end up doing it last minute. And, and there's receipts and paperwork and stuff all over the place.
1: <laughs> <Whey! laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll have to get that
0: later
2: on Yeah. <laughs> be a lot of people in the same boat right now, obviously, at last minute scrambling about paper, receipts, and everything. So um to to have that uh, a more streamlined process with um your statements and things are all, all in place for your,
0: for your agent, as they uh, as definitely. Yes, say, uh, by the way, just print my statement every single month, right? Um, and, and just give me the 12 statements for the year, and I'll just put them on my tax return, and that's the end of it. I don't need yeah. to go and write the receipts because you've done it all for me, and you hold all the receipts, and I don't need to hold them as a result of that. Therefore, job done. Tax yeah, return. Done. Right. no you're ran. Yeah, your rent, any
2: works carried out, everything, everything's on these
0: statements. So I mean, if anything, it's, I mean, it's, it is like most people. I mean, in, the inside of your wallet, or your purse, are generously sprinkled about your numerous pockets, in your and your in your pockets, and your jacket, and everything like that. The occasional uh, triumphant box box in, in the corner involving all your receipts. Often, I, I you know, when I, I remember, an accounts they were there, They used to tell me. That, um, some of the guys that I knew were accountants, you know, actual number crunchers. And um, they said, that, oh, good. My, my, my landlord or my, 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 my investor came in and they just handed my box of receipts. <laughs> and it was literally just a shoebox with all the receipts and goes, there you go, and sort that out for me. And I'm thinking, geez, if you'd just kept an eye on it every single month and just, just done it each at a time, it would have been a lot easier for you as a, a natural result of that. And, and that's literally how landlords do. I mean, when you've only got one or two properties, you know, you, you didn't think it's important, but the reality is uh, the government does, and you're getting nailed to the wall, because they've, yeah. got, they've got trackers and tracers and everything now, and indicators to tell you, because um, because um, Housing Benefit actually sends them a report now. So the, the DWP send them a report of what you're getting in receipts for local housing allowance, and also for you know for, for u- universal credit. And then somebody else send them, sends them information. Your lawyer, for example, uh, you bought a property, sends them information about a second property as well. And then the HMRC matches this all up and say, you had a second property, you've got all these uh, receipts coming in from housing benefit and uh, where's your tax return? Um, oh, this doesn't match your tax return, mister. You're out to send you a letter. Uh, by the way, you're just 50,000 pound in tax. And you have to prove them otherwise. That's exactly what happens with the taxman. Mm-hmm. They send you a bill. If you can't, and you have to prove otherwise, and it's the only system the taxman where you're guilty until you prove yeah, it you're innocent. Otherwise, it. yeah, yeah, that's really it. So when it comes to completing the tax return really, I mean, you've said it yourself, Richard, it's checking uh, the credit card banks being controlled through all these things, but you can actually do that all for them because you've got it all in receipts every single month and it's sent to them. So I think that's one of the keys, which I would say is really good as well. So let's jump on to the next subject, um, which is Inspections. Tell them all about inspections, Richard. You certainly save, you'll certainly save time and never inspect the again, but the message of defence uh, might well be returned by your tenants. Um, yeah. So regular inspections, how is that important to me as a landlord? I mean, and after I started, it was like, there's the house. Call me if there's a problem.
2: Yeah. I mean, inspections are really important. And like you say, call me if there's a problem. The amount of tenants that don't call you are a problem and they're only identified when you actually do the inspection and you're like, why did you not tell us about this? I mean, things like if there's maybe some water ingress or something. And the tenant just, all oh, it's just obviously a bit complacent about it. But to us, it's, a, it's an issue which should have been rectified right at the beginning to stop it escalating. So if we're in there every quarter doing inspections, making sure the property is obviously in a good condition, everything's up to standard, your smoke alarms are still in place, your tenant's happy uh, in the property, again, obviously, keeping them in place longer. And obviously, again, adding to your occupancy rate, I mean, they're, they're really important. Um and the quarterly inspections we do.
0: I mean we've got uh, a lot quarterly, of quarterly Quarterly, sorry, quarterly. Quarterly but inspections. Do yeah. six monthly and most people do yearly. And most people don't do anything at all now. Mostly. Yeah.
2: I mean, we have we have with some of our longer standing tenants who have been in there a long time. And um the, the landlords are in agreement, obviously, we do six month inspections. But new tenancies for the first year or two at least, um, we do quarterly inspections to make sure everything's uh, obviously kept ticking over, the property, like I say, is kept good, and, and the tenant's still happy in there. Because sometimes they'll, they, they'll not pick up the phone and tell you about all these wee minor things, and they don't realise that all these wee minor
0: things could result in a bigger repair. Uh, a tell hostel. me about it, Richard, I'm going a phone a now. The amount of times I used to go around and see my tenants, and, and this was in the early days, way before letting agents, so I did it all myself. The amount of times I used to go around, and I used to go and see them to see how they were doing, it's like, oh, there's something wrong. Uh, just uh, just a, a minor thing that happened. I would go around to see them, and the next thing I go, see when you're here. Um, oh, the bathroom seal's no done. Uh, there's dampness coming in that corner. Um, the fire's no working. The boiler's no doing. This radiator's no working. I'm like, oh my god, why would uh, you, you wait wait yeah. one at a time? Why on earth? Do-? So, and then I say to myself, so is it just a case that you wait till I turn up and then give my list of things to do? Because that's not what I want you to do. I want you to contact me when something goes wrong as a landlord. Um, so maybe that is the benefit of having inspections. Yeah, I, so I mean, I think besides that as
1: well. So sorry, on you.
0: your
1: phone. I think besides obviously like a maintenance side of it, obviously we want to make sure the properties are kept compliant as well. So it means we can go in amount of times that a tenant smoke alarm because oh it's beeping. Well, no, you we need to put that back up there. So it makes sure that we can make sure smoke alarms are in place. You have a carbon monoxide in place and it's not being taken down and it's working as well as the key one. so besides the maintenance side of it we're checking your properties are still compliant as well they're right. up to legislation and it also gives us a chance to build up a rapport with the tenant as well So, when issues do arise you've got that um Bond with them that you are able to discuss things with them, and that they're not just another person on the end of the phone. Like the amount of tenants we've got, I could tell you they're dogs <laughs> just going out and doing inspections. You build up the relationship with them that they aren't just a person in a house.
0: I think that's as a landlord, when I first when I first started out, that I felt that that was easy easy to do. I I, I loved doing that. I loved I loved you know talking to my tenants. I loved engaging with my tenants. I loved helping my tenants. Um, but 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 it came. It did come to the point where my career was overtaking What I was doing at that point in time, and and I had to focus on, you know, because I wanted to be a financial director and I wanted to be a financial controller in the industry, um, and 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 I wanted to run, help run some major company, um, and that's where I wanted to be at that time, and and I felt that because I had, you know, three or four properties, it was like, Julie, really, it's now becoming a hindrance. It's it's like I need someone else to do it. And I, and I must admit at that point in time. I did try several agencies. Some of them are actually existing today, and I just didn't feel that like I got this. I didn't. I didn't feel that like they were able to do what I did, yeah. and that's what. That's when I felt that when we started Century Twenty One, the franchises, and then when we changed to five properties, and they actually had their own our own engine and our own design and our own system that's why I felt that all these things I got frustrated about in the first place about other letting agents and how they didn't do things that I wanted them to do was something that I wanted to put into our system so we'd be able to do it because I understood it completely as a landlord.
2: Yeah I definitely I think um, we we definitely continue on with, with uh, the kind of the kind of relationship that you had, Jim, obviously with tenants as a as a landlord in your own right. I think it's really important for us to have a good rapport with tenants. I mean, we've we've got a duty a duty of care towards tenants anyway, but I mean it makes it so the whole process so much easier when you've got a good relationship with tenants. They feel comfortable speaking to you, they feel comfortable picking up the phone and saying, Oh, feel like this is this has gone wrong and this has gone wrong. If you didn't have that with your tenant, they won't pick up the phone and they will to report things, then it leaves you to an inspection then to, to find that. So um, yeah, definitely building up a good relationship with tenants is, is a really important factor.
0: Yeah, thanks for watching, Phil. And Phil says yeah, it keeps the neighbour happy as well. It keeps everything nice and clean and tidy. And, yeah. it also as well, um, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm and I'm going to argue for your side now. But but as a landlord, I, it was something I did anyway. You know because I always felt it was necessary because you had that relationship. If anything ever went wrong you always felt that you're... you're My my tenants always used to come to me and say, Jim, look, something's wrong. Can you help me resolve it? Because I I was always there to do that with them. And and whether it was, was, uh, for me personally, it was whether it was they'd lost their job and and I found them another job um, or something had happened in their, their family that they needed advice on, I would give them advice on that as well. And that's why I said... I often felt like I became a social worker. Um, you did felt, you do feel like that sometimes? I, because I felt like I was involved in their lives now, and I felt that I felt that they were a part of my extended family. If that makes sense, for some landlords <laughs> out there, you'll get that completely because that's how you are. I know, I know, if me and John Cropley are absolutely fantastic, they're great landlords, yeah. and that's how they feel as landlords. And yeah. and these are the people that I. We all got together in the beginning and started a landlord association, which was five landlords in 1999. December 1999 was when five landlords was first formed. Five landlords then become NLA Scotland, the National Landlord Association for Scotland, and then subsequently, you know, it became part of NLA, the bigger picture. And then that's why I ended up getting involved in in politics and the government as well at, a, at strategic level and at the Scottish government level. You know, for that reason. Um, but but. It was, it was all these things that led from all my personal experiences is why we built our system how it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: And I think yeah, it's amazing, like you say, um, going back to the tenant relationships, it's amazing how much a tenant lets you into their personal life and involves you in, in, in their day-to-day, which is fine. And you do feel a bit like a social worker, but then it, it allows you to build up a good relationship um, with them and help them, basically. Like I say, we do still have a duty of care for tenants, not just our landlords. Is it sometimes a case of TMI? Well,
0: we sometimes. <laughs> I, I've had a few instances where I really doctor don't doctor. need to know that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it... But then that shows that shows when you when when uh, TMI is too much information for anybody. It's maybe I'm not sure about that. Too much information. It's like because that shows to degree how important a relationship you have with your tenant. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't like calling them tenant because a, a stranger is just a friend you've not met yet. If that makes sense. So I often think, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, uh, Jim Robertson. You know, Jim's been with me for years, and Jim and Donald and and you know, all these people, and Arthur, and uh, and you know, they've all been with me for years. As as yeah. as, as, and I didn't want to say tenants, but they are legally. But they are actually an extended family to me because you know I would we'd stop in the street and we'd have a chat for ages and we'd spend loads of time. You know, Jim's been Jim used to bring the fish all the time when he'd been fishing. You know, all these different things, and 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 to me, that's a relationship you should have with someone in order to help resolve the situation. Because at the end of the day, you're providing them with a house, but you have to make sure you look after them because it is a responsibility more than anything, morally values, even though it's legal it's still morally right
2: Yeah and I think your relationship that you're referring to with some of your longer uh, standing tenants has continued on to obviously myself and obviously even caring and things now that we obviously look after your properties, when they come in the office
0: we have that relationship with them as well and and it's good to have that Yeah, yeah. So I mean how does that sound then? All uh, all the duties of a self-managed landlord adding value to your life really, that's what it comes down to you know, yeah. or you see the benefits and having them been handled for you, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, Phil says it right there in a nutshell. It really is a service. Yeah. You know, we're in the business of service. Um, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, it definitely,
2: obviously, it's a service, but it's how you, it's how you deliver that service and how you manage it, and and like Karen says, when you do things for the landlord, and they're not even aware until you actually say to them, well, this happened, and this is what we've done, Then, but oh, great, you've done that for me, then. That's what we're here to do.
0: I mean, think of a margin agent as a scientific, uh, scientifically impossible preventative ibuprofen. So, in other words, you might not be able to plan for a physical headache, but you can reduce the risk of your rental property becoming a pain in the neck. If yeah. that makes sense, you know, that's and and it is really prevention is better than cure, that's what it comes down to. I mean, for us, really, emergency repairs, regular maintenance, changes to the laws, and ex- unexpected events are not inconvenient interruptions, they're exactly what we're waiting for as a letting agency. If, makes sense. if we certainly don't spend our days doing nothing. You know yourself, I right, yeah, you guys like this is often the case, but you know the phrase is, it's just money for old rope. Do you hear that? rope. Money
1: for <laughs> another,
0: but, and, you know it's the whole thing about the it's the market seller, they're selling something back which is absolutely worthless, but and it's like and it's like really there's no value in that at all in what you're doing. You know, so it's yeah. sort of like that. So people think there's money for a rope. And that's why often, that's why we we have some landlords. Um, we no longer have this, well, some landlords. Because <laughs> they'll, they'll go, oh, well, I'll take these tenancies back because they're all running perfectly. But you can have all the problematic ones. Um, And, you know, we'll just pass them on to you. It's like, no, no, um, I liken a managing agent to an insurance policy. They've yes. got everything at their hands to make things happen in as quick as possible time and resolve it quicker than you can yourself if anything goes wrong, plus the fact they're taking the hassle and the efforts away from you. That is what a margin agent should be. If you want to put up with that, that's fine. Manage your own properties. There, 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 there is a market for that, and people love doing that. But as Stephen Clark said, you know, Stephen Clark's a really good investor and an up-and-coming investor. He's switched on. He knows what he's talking about in terms of investment return. I don't want to be a letting agent. I want to be an investor and, a, you know, a, 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 not a landlord, but a, a, an armchair investor. I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to know the legislation. I don't want to know anything else. I just want a managed agent to look after it. And all I want to do is be an investor who goes out and makes money and maximizes my return. That's really what it comes down to. So you've got a you've got a, a, a trade-off there. Do you actually want to do that or do you not? And there is a market for it, and there's a not market for it, but a degree, and I spoke about it the other day, I, I call things like that broke mentality. Mm-hmm. If you can make, and I've said it before, if you can make 50 quid an hour in something else, why on earth would you not know, pay somebody else 10 pounds an hour to go to go and do the job that you would otherwise have done, and they would have cost you the £50. Because I'm an accountant, manufacturing, uh, opportunity opportunity cost, as it's called, or opportunity loss. In other words, if you go and spend an hour doing £10 an hour, you've effectively lost £40 an hour, because you could have earned £50 an hour doing something else. So it's exactly the same mentality as what Stephen says. I'd rather spend my time on things that make a lot more money and pay other people to do the jobs that otherwise wouldn't pay me that return. Yeah,
2: definitely. I mean, and, and like you say, it all, it all comes back to obviously, like they say, the comment about money for old rope, and you do get landlords that are like, what am I paying you for? It? I mean, nothing's went wrong, nothing's, nothing's happened, but you've, you think nothing's went wrong, or nothing's happened, because we've dealt with it, and do you know what I mean? And even if there's not a, a, necessarily a maintenance issue, maybe the tenant's just picking up the phone and speaking to us. And do you know what I mean? Like you say, even a personal issue, things like, whereas if we weren't in place, they'd be phoning you and you, using up your time to do that. Whereas that's what yeah. we're doing. And the prevention thing as well. We yeah. Final on
0: this.
1: yeah, I think one of my key things would be have make sure you have somebody, an agency that's local to your area. Because, for example, there was yesterday, I had to go and check what door handles were missing at a point. And it was fine because it was five minutes up the road. So it need, you need somebody that is on hand, that knows the area, knows the people, and knows your property. And you can just people. live out at the drop of a hat if you need it.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to leave the final word with Dougie. He says it oh, all. I can definitely see the benefits as portfolio grows. We'll definitely be in touch to have them managed. That's the key here. And the final word rests with you, Dougie. And, and I want to say thanks very much, guys, for all coming and taking part. Dougie, Phil, James, May, um, uh, Charlotte, um, um, and um, so thanks very much for guys. Um, for show it's going to be a fantastic show. Look forward to that at 9 again. I'll see you all again uh, tomorrow. I've got my Sunday slot. I'm going to talk about the John O'Brien story at the Sunday slot now. Um, it's nothing to do with the properties I'm promoting on here though. <laughs> this is John O'Brien, it got the legislation changed in Scotland and his campaign to do that after the tragic death of his son with solvent abuse. Okay, yeah, so Sunday, uh, Sunday, yeah, tune in tomorrow, 10th in Sunday spot. We're going to be on that John O'Brien story. And uh, thanks, Kevin. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time today. Have a have a good day today. And uh, thanks very much, Richard. And uh, I'll see everybody else tomorrow. Thanks very much, guys. Bye for now. Okay, great. Bye.